The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perrow columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're having a chat with Andrew Stewart, Chief Executive Officer of Xanadu Mines. It is listed on the ASX and TSX and its code is XAM. For the Boy Scouts out there, that's X-Ray Alpha Mike. It's currently trading at 6.2 cents for a market cap of about 42 million. Xanadu is focused on the big time copper gold potential of its projects in Mongolia's South Gobi region, so it's not your average ASX explorer. Welcome, Andrew, and thanks for joining us here today at Stockhead. Good morning, Barry. Thanks for having us on. Andrew, before diving into the company and its projects, could you tell us a bit about your background and your professional career before arriving at Xanadu? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm an exploration geologist, 20 years experience, primarily focused on exploration for copper and gold in Southeast Asia. I, I worked um, through Mongolia in the early 2000s uh, with Ivanhoe Mines, so um, worked around the, uh, the giant Ayutogoi discovery um, and also worked through Southeast Asia, Philippines, Indonesia, um, and have been involved with several greenfields discoveries in that 20-year in that career. I understand you, you have a PhD? That's right. I, um, I am fortunate enough to have worked on a, a, a gold project in Greece um, and um, completed my PhD at the University of Tasmania. Did it ever become a gold mine? No, but the, the hardest <laughs> thing about working there was convincing people you were working. <laughs> true, true. Now, one thing I've always wondered about the PhD, has it been useful for you when it comes to plane and hotel upgrades over the years? Um, well, they, they wake you up late at night sometimes on planes when someone's not feeling well. Um, that's what it's useful for. Um, but and look, that's it's, when it, and that's when it gets embarrassing. <laughs> yes, this is right when you have to explain you're a doctor of rocks. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, it, it, it's it's an important part. I, I the way I look at a PhD is it's that it's, it really teaches you to critically analyze um, mm. uh, things and it takes it to that next level. And I think for our, you know, ultimately, exploration is still a science, um, and the and the more understanding you can get of the rocks, the more advances you can have. Mm. Now, I was also wondering for reasons I'm not sure why, but uh, it's every time I think about Xanadu, I can't get Olivia Newton-John out of my head. Um, do you have to suffer from the same problem, being CEO of the company? Yes, um, often we get people humming the, the Xanadu theme, but uh, Xanadu, is, it, it's, it's actually it refers to Kubla Khan, um, which is one of Chinggis' sons, Summer Palace, and it's, it's actually in the location of Shandu now in China. So it comes from a Samuel Coleridge poem, um, and that's, that's really the main meaning is going back to the, the old days of Chinggis Han. There you go. Now, I understand the temperatures in the Gobi can uh, be fairly extreme, down to minus 30 and up to 30 degrees on the plus side of things. Uh, it's also sparsely populated. Um, and given your experience there, it goes back to uh, Oya Togoli all those years ago. I was wondering what are the particular challenges operating in that environment and just as a, a side interest, do the local bears and wild camels cause any grief? <laughs> um, well, it, it, it's interesting. It, it, it is the easiest place to work that I've been involved in, the Gobi Desert. It's true, it gets cold um, in January, 
February, we get temperatures down to minus 40. Um, and keeping drill rigs running during those temperatures is, is a challenge in itself. Um, but working there on the ground, it's it's really God's gift to explorers. You know, you said it's sparsely populated. Um, one of the hard things in our business is, is population. Um, and when you go into areas where there's a large population, it's hard to get around and hard to navigate. But Mongolia mm-hmm. being most very sparsely populated, um, there's no fences and, and, you know, that's the key thing. It's flat terrain. There's no mountains. There's no rainforests. You're not dealing with civil unrest. A lot of those issues that, you know, slow exploration down make it more expensive in other parts of the world. We don't require helicopters, et cetera. It, it, so that makes it an easy place to explore. We were very focused when we set up Xanadu to go to an area where you can basically explore with a land cruiser and some swags so you can get around cheaply. And mm-hmm. if you look around elsewhere where we're looking for porphyry coppers in South America or Southeast Asia, that's not the case in a lot of countries. You know, you're requiring helicopter-mounted drilling programs. It comes very expensive. You're working at altitude. So Mongolia is really God's gift to explorers. And you can cover, because it's a flat, the flat desert, you can cover the ground very quickly um, and very mm. economically. And that's that's yeah. the advantage. Mm. Now, you're definitely at an interesting stage there. Um, I think you acquired the property in... 2014 and in quick fashion you've worked up a uh, what two million ton copper and four million ounce gold resource yet when we look at the the company's uh, current modest market cap for such a resource it it seems to me the market wants to see some gateways clear before re-rating the company what would be some of those gateways you see that need to be cleared um, the levers we have at hand at the moment for value there's, there's there's some external levers we we see copper price is an important um, value lever there. We've seen copper come off quite significantly in the last six months. We're sitting around two dollars sixty, two dollars seventy at the moment. Um, we there. So when that copper price gets back up and how it's related to current drivers, but we we see copper price as an important thing. And um, I, I think that the way we look at it is the world is on a pathway to vast shortages of copper, and it's going to be an important, necessary building block for the electrification of vehicles. And we believe we're looking at another commodity super cycle. And, the red metal or the king of all metals, copper, is going to lead the way in that. So that's an important lever we have at the moment. And then we also got perceptions around Mongolia. Um, we're working in a in, in a country that you know is, is kind of quite a young exposure to mining. Um, mm. It's really only the last ten years um, that people have been exploring there. But in the background of that, it is a country where a company Ivan who had a discovery in the early two thousands and today Rio Tinto is built what second or third biggest copper mine in the world and that's happened very very rapidly and very quickly and if i look around the globe over the last two decades where large copper deposits have been found i look at places like arizona with the resolution discovery pebble in alaska ricky dick pakistan tijabuk in indonesia but today amongst all those discoveries there's only one of them that's been built and put into operation it's ou Torgoy. And many of those projects are located in North America or supposed safe jurisdictions. So we we think that it, the political risk is a perception in Mongolia, and, and, and it's wrong. We we find working the ground there very good. It's a country that um, has people that want to learn, um, and it's easy to operate, and it's stability. We've, we haven't had change in the minerals law since 2006, um, and it's a stable working environment, and they continue to work towards making that more investment-friendly. So... Again, we, we suffer from perceptions that are wrong. And um, I, I think part of our job is, is showing that, that, you know, that is the case. Mm. The, I guess one of the issues would be, given the size of the resource, um, that there will be a CapEx uh, bill at some stage and that 
for a company with a market cap of 42, it might be out of reach. I'm just wondering how you see overcoming that hurdle and is partnering up with somebody, a cornerstone investor or a equity investor, uh, part of the process? Yes, that is. And, and I, you look at copper projects, these are take a long time to build. They're very have high capital expenditures up front. We, we, we don't see Xanadu as a development company. We're very much an exploration company. So partnering with a bigger company to build this or an earn-out transaction is, is where we're headed. And um, it's all about making these projects big and robust projects that big companies want. And that's what we're looking at doing here is, is building a project that, you know, a large company would want. We're looking for plus 15 years of mine life. You're looking at, you know, producing 50,000 tonne, 200,000 tonne of copper a year, a couple of hundred thousand ounces of gold. You're building this for a mid-tier or a large copper company. Um, and we've seen similar transactions uh, with, you know, Sol Gold, which a lot of you would know of a fantastic discovery in Ecuador. And we've seen BHP and Newcrest come into that project in the company level. Um, mm-hmm. And that certainly added a lot of interest. So a similar scenario we see with Xanadu, it's about bringing in a partner to help develop this in the future. Right. Now, the projects, uh, the main project starts with a K, but is it pronounced Harmat- Harmatai? It, it's it's a silent K, so it's Harmatai, yeah. Harmatai, right. right. Which is a cluster of three, well, it's a porphyry, but three uh, deposits there that you plan to uh, initially open cut? Yeah, we, we, we put out a resource late last year, and that resource is basically the accumulation of exploration over the last two to three years. It's an open pit resource, that is. I must say that it's only really the start of the, the whole the whole resource that will eventually be there. And it was really what was optimised in the top 300 metres. Um, and that resource is you know, 2 million tonnes of contained copper, 4 million ounces of gold. That's in the open pit section. But now that's down to about 350 metres. We've got drill holes now that are open to 1,500 metres and mineralisation remains. So this is a large resource and growing, but what we wanted to show that there's already a robust project here that's open pit, and that's a rarity at the moment. When we look at copper projects globally, we're exploring deeper and deeper, um, mm. and, and with our peers, this is a project we, we believe is one of the lowest strip ratio projects out there at the moment, hence um, it has very robust economics around it. You mentioned uh, Cascabel in Ecuador earlier there. Uh, similar grades, but um, apparently the core of their deposit is, uh, you know, 500 metres plus down to a kilometre plus. I'm just wondering, uh, can you talk a bit about what uh, that means for the economics of your development, given that uh, initially at least you'll start off with an open cut? Oh, it helps. Um, and if you look at block caves globally, they're... They're difficult projects to develop because a lot of the cap, a lot of the work has to go in at the front. Now they're fantastic deposits in the in the long run, but it's that six or seven years of development without producing that make them quite tough and challenging. We were very conscious about putting together an open pit resource. Well, we haven't hit the core of our system yet. When we do mm-hmm. our exploration at the moment, we believe we're still on the peripheries of a much bigger system. And in fact, in March, we put out the best drill hole on the project to date, which is, sits about 150 metres outside the resource. Mm-hmm. So, but what we wanted to do was de-risk the project by coming out with an open pit project that will support the first 10 years of production. And that was really the focus of that that resource and also that scoping study that followed. Because um, when you look at it, we believe that having that open pit starter project allows you or gives you the license to go deeper and start 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 fishing for those the higher grade parts of the system which we know exist a little bit deeper. So that's that's really the rationale we took over the last twelve months. Mm. Is it 
uncommon for porphyry deposits to daylight like this one? No, it's just where we are at the moment in a lot of exploration over the last mm. hundred years. You know, we've been quite successful at finding everything that outcrops its surface. And it's just where we are in, you know, the exploration. We're getting deeper. Um, that's And that's a fact that commodities now, exploration is getting harder. Drill holes have to go deeper. You know, it's a challenge finding your deposits at surface. But the next challenge for our industry is finding them at a kilometre's depth. It gets even harder. Mm. Um, and that's that's really the ch- that's where we are now. And, you know, exploration for copper, it's getting deeper and deeper. And you look at the exploration discoveries over the last few years, they're all... They're all at five, six hundred metres depth. That's just mm. what we're going to have to deal with as an industry. That's and that's what separates Habakti. This is a project you could walk on, um, and it starts from surface. That's the rarity and the opportunity you get by exploring in Mongolia, and and that's really why we're headed to Mongolia because that opportunity. Mm. Uh, I was wondering, there was a bit of excitement a little while back about the company talking about the oxide cap potential. Could you explain that a bit? Yeah, um, when you look at copper projects, and as again, it's exposed at surface, you create an oxide blanket to these systems. Now, that could be an oxide copper, it could be an oxide gold. At Hamagtai, because we have a gold-rich porphyry, the, the actual oxide zone's gold. And so what we've done is you've leached a lot of the copper out and you've increased or upgraded the gold at the surface. So it's a simple step. It's not, it's not a change in strategy. It's always been there and we've always known about it. But what we saw in the scoping study is that we, it was very clear in the pre-strip was a significant amount of gold that was going to waste. So the next step for us is to put that into a resource. We've done some initial metallurgical work on that. Recoveries were absolutely fantastic. Um, and the next thing to do in the next six months is to put that into resource. Um, and it's just a part of the process. So we're talking about the capital intensity of a porphyry. We're blessed in that we have this oxide zone because there's an ability here to have early low capex gold from the from the project and that should support or sustain the the, the later development for the copper um, and that's that's an important step that we've always recognized it's it's more like a bit of a cherry on the cake at the moment like it's it was known there but it, it didn't make it didn't have huge significance until you'd shown that the copper was there we've shown that so we've gone back to this 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 i guess it's icing on the cake um, that's a great opportunity. So it, it, it'll be very exciting to see how the drilling goes in that. Um, it, it's, it's some fantastic grades in there. We're looking at sort of 30-metre deep drill holes over the next six months and, and refining a nice resource, um, sort of you know, one to two gram material. Hmm, okay. Now, it's, as you'd appreciate, it's difficult for investors to value companies, but uh, one of the favourite tools is uh, you know, cents per pound of copper in the mm-hmm. ground. Where does uh, the company rate in, on that scale at the moment? Um, I, might, I might just jump in and say that when we, our exploration since picking up the project in 2014, if we look at the copper we have in the open cut pit resource now, we've been able to add that at less than half a cent per pound. That's our discovery rate. So that's one of the cheapest at the moment globally. If we look at peers and we look at the global trend of discovery rates per pound of copper, it sits about seven cents. So if we look at where our valuation is at the moment, we're getting valued about one cent per pound of copper in the ground. Now, some of our peers um, are upwards between two to three cents. What we need to do is bridge that gap and get that valuation up to where it should be with our peers because it's um, well below um, the global, I guess, average at the moment for porphyries. And I think that's that's an important note too. If you look at the replacement value of that pound of copper in the ground is seven cents, 
when we do see that copper price change and, and the major companies who we believe have been caught short with their expiration over the last 10 years and haven't been putting money in the ground, you know, the question is, are they going to go take risk on and spend seven cents finding it? Or are they going mm. to buy the projects that already exist there? And I think that's 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 really the valuations we're looking at is is is, is that change and that that move to growth in the larger companies. Mm. The and that uh, difference, say, between the one cent and the two to three that some of the peers might have, is that largely just uh, the Mongolian factor, or is there other things? I that believe. Play? I believe so. I, I I believe it's the perception on Mongolia. Um, and which you know, when you work on the ground there is hard to understand because we always say that, you know, you need a proof of concept. If you find something, you can hold tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, you have 30 years of tenure, a mining license, and you can build a mine. And Mongolia has that proven track record. So it ticks those boxes through Junior Explorer. You can find it, you can control it, and you can take it through to production, um, which we're seeing value tallboys. So the perception that is there, as I said, we believe is wrong. And so it's about changing that and fixing that perception. Mm. Now, having a look at the uh, some of the recent announcements from the company, it's quite clear that uh, this planned initial development is not the end of the story. Obviously, you can go deeper there. But regionally, you're also uh, kicking some goals, I see, uh, particularly, is it Zara? Yeah, that's a, it's a new discovery at, at Hamagtai. And I think if you think of porphyries, if you hold your hand up and if you look at a district, and you, you've got to control the district because that's how you grow large resources, but it's almost like fingers coming off a larger system at depth, which is the palm of your hands. And we've ticked off three of them, which we've put into resource. We've found a fourth, which is Zara. Um, we have other drill holes that are showing other indications. But Zara is quite a significant discovery. What We have six holes into that now, and 800 metres of continuous copper from a depth of about 100 metres, and, and, and of grade, that which is higher than the existing resource. So very, very encouraging early days. And we believe that that will be a, a substantial add to that resource. So, um, you know, we, as we said, it's just about accumulating that copper, showing you, de-risking the project, showing that it's economic, and that gives you the licence to continue to go deeper. And that's really been our strategy over the last few years. Mm. So how far is Zara from the uh, current centre of uh, focus? It, it, it's about it's about a kilometre. So it's oh, not okay. far at all. Um, in mm. fact, you know, if you look at the project, it's so flat, <laughs> it's not far at all, and it all sits within under 20 metres of sand. So um, that's, 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 the, that, that's the understanding that also comes with our exploration. We, we say that we're in a brownfield state of knowledge at Hamatai, um, mm. and our exploration has been very, very successful. It's almost our strike rate has been huge and that, and that strike rate comes when you go back to that discovery rate like we're, at the moment we're discovering copper at less than half a cent per pound that comes from a very good understanding of the geology and being in a brownfields state of mind mm. okay now I was just wondering um, what investors should be looking out for in the in the near term in terms of uh, what the company's up to what might uh, be reported as the months roll by yeah, look, we we as I said, we've completed a scoping study recently, and one of the key steps for that is to to look at this near surface gold. Um, mm-hmm. So over the next few months, we will look at advancing that, pushing that towards a resource. We believe it's a substantial gold system. It's near surface. It's very shallow, and it is going to add significant value to the company. We also well positioned with a significant gold resource that's going to um, gap. Put it. It's going to bridge the gap of that looming supply get your copper 
Mm -hmm. but it's also realizing the full value of that current resource we have and showing that we, you know, there's a lot more to go here. This is a very, very small part of what's going to be a much larger resource. And as I said, we haven't found the core, the high grade part of the system yet. We've got some holes that are touching it and nicking it. And in March, we released a fantastic intercept of boronite mineralization. And that's really the first indication we've seen on the project that we're getting closer to that high grade core. And boronite's an important mineral too. When you see boronite, it attracts a lot more gold into the into the into the system and, and it's higher grade. So we as I said, it's it's still the search. We're looking for the core of this system that we haven't found yet. And we believe that when we hit that we will see some um, amazing grades and that will have a huge boost for this project. Mm. And, and finally, just uh, given the, the market cap and the, the scale of the opportunity, do you, do you feel vulnerable to a, a low ball takeover bid at all? Yeah, it scares us. Mm. Um, it's, 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 you know, that's the, that's the, what we have to manage and um, we, we, that's exactly right. So it's, a, it's, 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 it's what worries us the most is, getting that and having to defend it in this type of market. And we're not ready for that. Um, we believe there's a lot more value to add in the project. So, you know, it's, it's about defending it and getting the maximum amount of value. We, we believe once we get back to seeing copper prices above $3, $3.50, you'll start to see hypervaluations in these types of stocks. And we don't want to be in that position today at a low copper price um, and, a, and a t difficult market having to deal with that. So, and, and, and again, we, we haven't, put all the pieces together of this puzzle. We are doing it um, and we don't, you know, you don't want to get that at this stage. Okay, Andrew, well, thanks for that. That's been great. And again, thanks for your time and uh, best wishes with it all. All right, thank you, Barry.